This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstroll.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. You'll get 20% off. They ship worldwide. They got everything from comic books to signed wrestling memorabilia, signed MMA memorabilia, anything you need or want in any type of sport, actually. They update daily. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com today for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Metal Gear Solid, World of Warcraft, Super Mario Brothers 3, or Mario Brothers 3, however you say it. I say Mario, so to each his own. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format, so please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. And if you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products on the market, look no further and visit LegacySubs.com and use promo code THEPODCAST to receive 10% off. They have everything from sleep aid to muscle building, anything you need or want to make you feel better. They got it there. They are Legacy Sports Nutrition, so please visit them at LegacySubs.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to travel mugs to t-shirts, anything you need or want. It is literally there. But the easiest thing, the freest thing, the most important thing you can do to support the show is... Rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So, this week's guest is a mixed martial artist with a record of 11 and 1. He is a former lightweight and welterweight Cage Warriors champion. He is currently competing in the UFC's lightweight division, Mason the Dragon Jones. Oh, sounds so good every time I hear that. Every time sounds good. Now I gotta know, how'd you get the dragon nickname, my friend? So, uh, well, before I start, um, I generally do think you've got more sponsors than I have at the moment, so uh, I really need up my game now. <laughs> but uh, uh, like I said at the start, um, I'm gonna try and make sure I'm as clear as possible. Uh-huh. And uh, if I do at any time talk over the top view, I do apologize. I get superly excited um, and oh, jump in. My girlfriend's always punching me about it, so I, I am trying my best. Um, the, the nickname, so uh, for those who haven't seen um, the Welsh flag, you should. It's definitely the greatest flag in the world. Out of how many countries there is, it is the greatest. Um, big big massive red drag on it. Um, right. So there's always that, and I knew that when we got to the UFC, it would, it would sort of blow over. But uh, one of the things that I, I liked about it, it was when I was a kid, um, I always struggled with my temper and different things. And I remember my, um, my instructors always talked about... Um, about uh, the mindset of the dragon, and it was to keep fire in your belly and keep your mentality ice cold. And um, it's something that just stuck by me, and that's something I liked. And when we decided to go with the nickname, um, there was a couple of different options, and that was the one I, I wanted to go with. Um, especially, like I said, there's um, there's never been a Welsh dragon in the UFC um, who fights under the dragon nickname, so uh, we can go with it. And I think obviously Paul Felder retired just before I, um, 
I debuted it. So oh. um, it worked out well. It worked out well for me. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So when did you actually become a fighter? Like when did this itch start? When did you think you want to do this for a living? How did it all go down? For a living? Um, living when I was 12. Um, it was something I had a conversation with my father about. But I started oh. actually my mixed martial arts journey when I was seven. So November, I would have been training mixed martial arts 20 years Holy at the shit. age of 12. 26 now, I'll be 27 in November. And uh, yeah, it'll be my, 27, my 20th year anniversary. So um, wow. when people come out with attendance, I've been, oh, I've, I've been doing martial arts my entire life. Like, uh, I'm not far, far off, do you know what I mean? Um, my girlfriend does wind me up because she's four years younger than me okay. and she's 20 years, a year after me. Um, so she started when she was younger, obviously, but she's younger than me. So um, I, I still come out with, oh, I've been training longer than you and she laughs. But um, <laughs> yeah, like my journey was a weird one. Like um, I've, I've, I've had this conversation before. Okay. Um, a lot of people ex- um, describe themselves as martial artists. Um, I'm not a martial artist. I'm uh, a fighter in, in, in the purest form. Like I don't oh. do it for the love of the sport. I don't do it because I like the spiritual journey of martial arts. I do it purely because I like the violence. Oh, sure. um, I'm a very violent person, and I just enjoy, I love violence. Is um, a lot of people that they have things they they were born to do and different yeah. aspects. Yeah, I was just born to commit violence, and um, some people sort of disagree with it. But I just I'm one of those spiritual people who think that as you've just got to accept yourself for who you are, and um, I just purely love violence. Uh, <laughs> now, where does this stem so, from? Does this all stem from, like, childhood? And is is it, like, anger violence, or just you just want to rip shit apart for no reason? Uh, I, I, I really don't know. When I was a kid, um, one of the main reasons I started martial arts is because, um, like, I really didn't know what to do with myself. Okay. My kid, my parents both struggled to know what to do with me. Um, I, I just, I was just really aggressive, highly wow. aggressive, even okay. now. Um, so I've got an injury at the moment, and um, there's times where I, I'll wake up in the morning, um, just certain days, and uh, we like me and my girlfriend have a conversation. I'll be like, look, it's just not a good day today, right. and it, um, now because I can actually start doing some things, I can get, I've got back training a little bit. But um, I would just have a day where I just it was just so much pent up aggression and just angry for no reason at all. And um, wow. like martial arts is, is my output. Um, like being able to train, being able to like excel energy is something that I deal with. And to be honest, my um, my my baby cousin, um, he's my my uncle. My uncle's kid, um, he's a lot like me, um, exactly the same I was a kid, and he's having trouble in school at the moment with different things, sure. just because he wants to fight everyone and everything. And um, my parents and me have had this conversation because he is exactly the same as I, I was. And for me, I learned Chanlet by um, obviously doing a bit of martial arts, so I'm trying to get him to do a little bit of training, but he's slightly too young. I think he's four five. Oh, wow. or he goes age wrong. Well, they'll be showing me, but yeah, he's young, so... Um, but yeah, he's just always fighting in school. Like obviously, they're, they're kids, so they don't have proper fights. But he's always like lashing right. out at people, and if not people, but as kids for different reasons. And mm. he's uh, he's charming, but he always wants to fight. And he's just such a, a resemblance to me because I was the sweetest child ever. I just was just stupidly aggressive and just wanted to fight people. <laughs> I always wanted to be a soldier <laughs> or a samurai or a ninja. Sure. I always wanted to fight some. It was always the same. I mean, it was just something I did with violence. And <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm the most chill person you'll ever meet. Um, but it's again because I found what I meant to do. Oh wow! Now, were you a fan of MMA? Did you watch it before you wanted to get into it, or did you like discovered it and then got into it? So, the gym I started with was a kickboxing gym, okay. um, and at the time they taught. Uh, what they call self-defense classes, um, but it was literally just early onset martial arts. Um, like most of the the guys who come through, for, um, through, well, all the guys who come through martial arts in Wales come through us from, from the same gym, sort of thing. And um, it was always sort of a journey of self-discovery. And um, like I remember when I was when I was a kid, they they talked about the UFC, like they they was VCR tapes, and uh, uh, they talked about it. Sure. Um, and um, it was just sort of like one of those things because, like the self defense side, side of things, that was the old, like that was the image they had of war. Do you know what I mean? It, as real as it gets. Sure. The UFC, that the, the way they brand themselves. Of course. It was just something that we sort of led towards. And then um, uh, I obviously Joseph Duffy was the first fighter from mm. near me to get in the UFC. 
Um, obviously, he was training out in Montreal um, right. before he signed, but he started with the same gym as me. I trained with him for, uh, God, eight, eight to ten years, I think, before yeah. he left. I think it was ten. Look at that. A long time. So, um, yeah, like these are the guys who were, who were sort of leading lead in charge, mm. um, different things. And yeah, it was just something that I grew up wanting to do when I had the conversation with my dad when I was about 12. And it was sort of his idea of, well, what do you want to do when you you're, when you grow up? Like, I can help you if this is what you want to do. Like, I can help, help show you, like, how to make it possible, different things. And yeah, you just end up going that way. Obviously, I end up going into the national judo program. Um, I think judo is quite big in Canada as well. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, it, like in Europe, it's big. Um, obviously, the UK seems quite small, but France is the French national sport. Oh, wow. um, um, like judo is massive in, in in the UK to a point where people don't understand how big it was. Especially when I was younger, when I was coming through, like I, it, it, it was tough. It was the toughest sport I've ever done um, yeah. to date. Like um, the levels and stuff, um, and the, this, this obviously being an Olympic sport, you get the people who would drop out of certain age groups, take yeah. steroids, and then you see them. <laughs> in different weight groups or just ridiculously strong and obviously different um, different things about all sort of age certificates and different age bands for people who were I remember I was like fighting at under under 16 well I was 15 I was fighting at in age bands and there was kids with like beards down here and like jacked up to the gills and <laughs> yeah, just, right. it, was, it was a learning experience like um, people said when I made my UFC debut and they interviewed me they said well are you nervous and I said no because I've lost more fights that most people have ever fought. I've gone to countries um, with massive opportunities to really perform and blown out in 10 seconds. Um, like people question, I hate touching gloves before a fight. Like I'll do it pre-fight with the referee, but uh, obviously after, after that point, when the referee says go, I hate touching gloves. And um, a lot of people get sort of annoyed with it or they, they don't understand it or they think it's just bad sportsmanship. But I literally went all the way to a tournament. Um, I don't know where it was now. Um it was a, a flight, a flight away. We flew somewhere in Europe. It was the biggest tournament to date for me. Um, okay. Everything was perfect. I had a big weight cut. Um, I felt good. I think I was 15. I'm sure I cut eight kilos. Um, okay. So you do, yeah, it was, it was, it was big at, at 15. Like I was skinny as well. Like it was yeah. a big weight cut for me. Made weight, um, struggled to make weight because obviously we didn't have any nutritionists. We were just That's run, eat, starve. Um, Made weight, um, turned up to fight, uh, the fight side. I went to shake hands, and the guy threw me on my head off the handshake. Wow. So uh, that was my trip over. So yeah, learning experience to me. <laughs> and uh, I just prefer to get in there, like I said, and sure. get down good. So you can be buddies afterwards. Um, I know I fought, I fought Mike Davis um, for my debut, my UFC debut, and mm-hmm. um, lovely guy in Abu Dhabi. But um, he was trying to talk to me before the weigh-in about like getting a drink afterwards, different things. I was like, mate, mate, I'm not interested. It was like no, no disrespect. I just, I've got enough friends. I just want to fight you. Do you know what I mean? It's um, yeah, like it's you can be friendly with people. Like obviously, um, there's a big thing of where Holloway and who's the dude who shaved his head? I go, uh, I, go, I oh, oh, can only ever see him now with his head shaved. He fought Korean Zombie with his head shaved. Ortega. Ortega. There Ortega. you go. Okay. When Holloway and Ortega had that war, and um, yeah. they talked about, it was like, "Oh yeah, we should be friends." And it's cool, and it is a cool mentality to have. But um, yeah, I just didn't. It's it's a short career. Um, I'll be happy to be friends with these guys afterwards. But in, makes sense. in like, I don't want to be friends with people in, in my own weight. No, no, no. That makes total sense. Of course. Now, going back to all the mixed martial arts you did before, why didn't you just stick with one and, like you said, try and make go to like the Olympic route or something? Uh, so that was a conversation we had, and um, I did to an extent. Um, I never fully committed to judo because I was still doing the mixed martial arts stuff on the side on the weekends okay. and things. And it, it's because I hated judo. Um, I did okay. judo from the time I always get this wrong now. Um, I think I was I started when I was about ten. I was in the Welsh program from about twelve. Right, right. Um, I started the Welsh the Welsh set up tournaments from then, and then um, I think I left when I was seventeen. So um, it's just say about seven years, ten to seventeen, um, and it was something that I give my all to. But I hated judo. I hated every moment of it. Um, my coach would literally have to like beat techniques in in my head um, from the stick. Uh, <laughs> and to what point I was, was just because I had that never sort of never give in mentality of always throwing myself to the point where I actually um, I got battered in a in a. a competition in in, in, in in a fight um, against a 
judoka from somewhere um, who beat me on the mat. Uh, but I managed to stick in, in there and I actually choked the guy on the buzzer and he tapped on the buzzer. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah, it was just one of those things you just stick in it and I don't really give up. Just stay on top of someone until they break. And <laughs> I take out of my fight. So, um, <laughs> yeah, stay on top of someone and rode them away and eventually they'll break. Oh, my goodness. And now, fast forward, Cage Warriors, obviously, because that's the other huge promotion you were in. Double champ. Second time only to, obviously, Conor McGregor. So, okay, three times. Third, Dan oh. Hardy. Oh, that's right, third. It was sort of unofficial, Dan Hardy. Dan Hardy did it, but they didn't really, like the weight divisions were slightly different, but Dan Hardy did do it first. He had two weight divisions. Then it was Colin McGregor, who was the big one, and then it was me. So yeah, third. Okay, so let's let's rewind a bit. So first, you were involved <laughs> in the first fighting, like in the first huge Wales arena MMA fight. How was that for you? Because I would assume before that you've never fought in an arena, so you probably fought with only a few people in the audience. No, you fought in big arenas before that as well? Judo, again. Um, oh, thing, like, shit, that's right. Um, I never made a final match. So final match in judo are different. So in a, it's a, literally a full stadium full uh, okay. with different spectators. And there's normally eight mat areas running right. with different um, sort of fights going. And then when they do the finals, they normally do it like... Um, They'll do like three or four mad areas and they'll have it with like the lights down, the coaches in suits and like this full tense atmosphere with like gotcha. that. So like I was used to it. I've been used to it for years and like I, I, I never really feel the pressure before. But the, um, I think fighting in that, I've never fought in a home arena that, the last size before. Like okay. um, you're the only one fighting. Like whereas when you fought before, there's like even like the big arenas I fought before, there's always someone else another mat area going whereas that is just purely you and someone else oh, okay. and yeah I, I I liked it like I liked the whole gladiator mentality and coming sure. out and entertaining people and um, I've always been a bit of an entertainer and I've always liked to like I said I like the violence so um, it's nice to be able to commit violence in front of a home crowd it is nice so when you ended up winning your first championship which was the lightweight at uh, Cage Warriors 113 what was that night? What was that celebration like? Like, were you balls to the wall? Were you just flying high all friggin' night? Like, you couldn't sleep? What was that feeling after winning your first major title? I never actually sleep after fights. Oh, okay. Um, it's one of those, I, I really, really struggle with uh, my adrenaline, different things, and I'm normally, like, I'm normally yeah. bruised or cut. Like, my face, I just, I'm one of those, I just bruise really easy. So, um, right, right. I'm usually, but, um, so, that was a weird one. So, the Cage Warriors tight life, I won. The, that fight was the day the UK went into COVID lockdown. It was the same day. So wow. I fought, the lockdown started on the Friday okay. and I fought on that Friday, um, I think, or it could have been a Saturday. I think it was a Friday. I'm not sure. So don't quote me on that. But that, that <laughs> day was, and I just know that. So um, yeah. uh, uh, it was meant to be in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought hotel rooms in London um, for my coaches, my some of the spectators, some things. my brother had bought loads of hotel rooms, my dad had bought loads of hotel rooms. Like, because mm-hmm. we normally have, um, like, I, I was normally selling like 150 tickets, 200 tickets, like, not sort of on the level of party, but I was selling, I'm a small town boy, do you know what I mean? So, sure. selling 200 tickets. So, um, <laughs> it was an, a, a, a way fight. So, um, we'd like sold a load of tickets, and then obviously, all um, it was like, it was a you, the cage warriors had, had to cancel because the COVID regulations come in. So rather than cancel it, Graham was like, look, we've moved the event to Manchester. Yeah, Manchester. Okay. So um, it was like, yeah, cool, no problem. And there's like, there's no spectators. Yeah, cool, no problem. So I lost money on hotel rooms and different things. Um, obviously, ticket sales is where I made my, made my money. I didn't really make money off um, my purse. My purse was low. Cage warriors being a regional card, um, they don't try and outpay people. It's just the, the they're going to get you in the UFC sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so then that got changed. Um, obviously, I'd had multiple changes of opponent. I was meant to fight um, Bellagio, Bellagio, an Italian. He pulled out with injury. Then they matched me with something crazy legs. Uh, he pulled out with injury. And then um, Joe McColgan's opponent pulled out. Uh, they matched me with Joe. And they was like, look, mm. it was like you and Joe, battle contenders. It was like, we'll put the title on the line for the fight. I was like, yeah, happy days, take a fight. Um <laughs> Got up to Manchester and uh, it was just chilled. Um, I fell asleep before the fight. Um, I, I was asleep in the corner uh, in the little warm rooms, like a Star Wars theme bar we was in uh-huh. um, in, in this uh, in the arena, okay. um, the apex, not the apex. I don't know what arena it's called, but yeah, it was like a Star Wars bar. Okay. And I was actually 
alcove I was sleeping in. Um, my coach just let me sleep in the corner. And then uh, I remember him waking me up, be like, look, we got to go. Um, started coming up and uh, yeah, I felt good. And then uh, my song came on. I made my dance, made my walk. <laughs> and uh, yeah, business done. I finished the game in three and a half minutes. Uh, Joe McCall then. So um, uh, wore him down a little bit. Uh, hurt his leg a few times, slowed him down and then um, caught him with a, a lovely knee and uh, finished the fight. That's awesome. And then, literally six months later, you're going for the welterweight belt. How did all that come to be then? Yeah, so after I won the lightweight belt, um, if, you've, if you've seen it, I look miserable. Um, as soon as oh. put the belt around my head, I'm, I'm like this. And it wasn't because I was miserable. It was just, so I had had winning the lightweight title, um, Cage Warriors lightweight title, on my wall, since on my, my vision board since before I made my debut. When I, before mm-hmm. I planned to go back to MMA, it was always on there. Um, it was something I always wanted to do. Um, gotcha. Get the cage royce lightweight title and then go to the UFC. That was my plan. Um, I've never, I've never, I'm not a lightweight. I'm, I'm, I'm not a welterweight. I'm a lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not big for lightweight, but I'm comfortable lightweight, and I'm just getting bigger. Um, and I, I'm, I'm happily always going to be a lightweight type fighter. I have no intentions or plans of ever going to welterweight. So, um, uh, that it was just one of the things like after I had the belt around me, I had things I wanted to say and there's things I wanted to do and like all this is happening and I was reminded what to say. One of my friends had just been ill and I wanted to obviously give him a shout out after the fight, which I did and say obviously the fight was him, different things. And then yeah, we went back. My my dad had actually um, rented a boat, uh, even though we were supposed to be in COVID lockdown and they had a bit of a family boat party on this boat. <laughs> my coaches but, and my girlfriend and that was that was superb. Mm. And then uh, we went back to the lockdown trained as much as we could but obviously there was just struggles different things um, and then they were looking for an opponent for me well they were struggling to get European guys in they were struggling to get Yanks in and obviously the normal thing for Cage Warriors is they'll get you a title fight okay. um, if the belt is vacated they normally pull an ex-UFC fighter in or an American shooter yeah. fight they go to you at the standards then they sign to the UFC sure. um, struggling with this and there was no one there was no one credible at lightweight as the next step in like um, the two guys there was like when I was coming through, there was like six guys, and I mm. fought two of them. Um, and then the others, like the others, fought themselves. Jai got signed. Jack Grand had lost, and then he disappeared. There was another guy who was sort of coming through, and then he got beat by the guy that I beat, um, Donovan Desme. Uh, went on a tear and beat like all the other contenders. So it was like I'd either fight Donovan again mm-hmm. for the, um, for, uh, but he wasn't signed, and it was sort of one of those fights I wasn't interested in taking again because it was a step. It was a step backwards, not a step down. He's, he's probably one of the toughest fights I've had, but right. a step backwards. Sure, yeah, makes um, sense. Who do I fight a lightweight? Um, and then Reese McGee, who was someone that I'd been tipped. We were sort of like, we were sort of like always looking at each other, like, am I going to have to fight this guy? And he was <laughs> uh, my friends now, um, and he was always looking at me as like, oh, am I going to fight him? So we were always yeah. like looking at each other around, ready to fight each other. And then uh, he signed the UFC on a short notice fight against Chimeyev. Oh, uh, okay. He was meant to fight for the welterweight belt against Adam Proctor. So um, I remember talking to him a little bit because I don't, again, I knew if he won the welterweight title, he was going to want us to come back down and fight for the white, lightweight title. Mm-hmm. So uh, I knew he was going to fight and then he signed. Um, he spoke to me and was like, look, I was meant to fight for the welterweight title. I was like, oh, I like that fight. Um, so I called, <laughs> I said, I'm going to call for it. And he laughed. Uh, I think he thought I was joking. And then I, um, I called my manager and said, look, I want to fight for the welterweight title. And uh, he said, look, he said, we'll see what we can do. Um, I spoke to the matchmaker of Cage Warriors, who I'm friends with. Mm-hmm. And he was like, um, he was like, look, I don't think that's a good fight for you. Um, he's strong. He's big. Um, it's a tough fight. Yeah. I said, look, I said, I think I do him in one. I said, I think I can stop him in the first round. Um, oh. He said, look, you say that, but everyone I was like, no, I really think I do. I could. <laughs> I'm really where I'm strong. I think I could really take my part. And his attitude was like, look, speak to Graham, um, but I don't think it's a good matchup for you. Graham was obviously my manager. He was like, look, yeah. if you want it. And then it come down to it, and they offered the fight to me. And Adam Proctor took yes, um, accepted very, very quickly, which is something all the way through camp. It was like, why did he accept the fight so easily? Like, um, we thought it was a fight where he didn't really gain much, um, where it was a high risk, low reward for him. Whereas right. for me, I was fighting belts and it was like a big underdog fight because the size difference and different things and um sure. so we thought that mental game plan like we were planning every sort of idea like i'm one of those guys who was in depth i'm talking about like all his previous fights for did what he does well and like working up all these different plans what he was gonna do if, if he took all this fight and uh, yeah it came down to it and um, i remember we was warming up for the fight and um uh, i went for a little stroll before i went and had a nap and i um, before the, the even any of the card had started 
and um, we seen him playing around in the cage and they were like throwing like head kicks and sort of trying to guide him into a head kick and I was like if that's for me like that's not going to work at all um, <laughs> like I boxed pro boxed at one point exactly um, in between running um, MMA I had three pro boxing fights I was sparring with um, Jamie Cox who's 25 and 2 lost to George Groves for a title and then another high level contender Lee Selby and different guys like I've got a good fight thank you, you I was like um fighting south pose for years um so like trying to make me walk into a head kick is just dull because i'm not gonna follow you i'm always gonna lead <laughs> uh, so the fight come down to it um and yeah it went exactly how i wanted to go um at one point i made a mistake uh, which i thought i would i lost the round um i smashed him all the way through i dropped him right. and then i made a little mistake where um he managed to get my back so we did everything i planned i run i, I dragged him to the cage, I put my head into the pillar, mm. I hit him with some short shots and attacked the hands. And he returned fire for some reason while he had two hands around my waist and that just gave me a little exit out. Because he was strong. Like um right. I think I did my normal cut for lightweight without doing the water cut. So I just literally died it down, turned up with seventy seven kilos. Uh, I normally awesome. water cut from about seventy nine, um, 77 to 79 kilos. So I literally did a normal cut. Um, I didn't have to water cut much. I think I was like seventy seven point eight the night before. Oh wow. um, that's good man. They're like 171, I think, 171 points something. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we had to make dead 170, so I had a little bit more weight to cut. Yeah, yeah. But I made, um, I think by the time we turned up the fight, I think I was like 172, 173. Okay. I don't think I was very big. Only get bigger after lightweight fights than I do I did for the welterweight title. Of course. Whereas I knew coming in at like, I'm sure like pre fight, I'm sure he cut. Obviously, one cent. I'm sure he went at like one ninety, one ninety five. Like he was, he's a big lad. Yeah, yeah. So he had the strength, he had the height, and um, I just outstriked him. I picked him apart. Um, that one mistake, I I corrected, and then I went back and I finished him in the first round in three three minutes again. I think it was. Um, I don't know. I think it was quicker than my lightweight title. Wow. I think it was quicker than my. But yeah, I got the job done. That's crazy how you predicted that too, and you, you called it right from the beginning. That that's awesome. Okay, so then you get signed to the UFC, obviously. So how was the jump from Cage Warriors to UFC? What was some of like the major differences, good or bad, doesn't matter, whatever that you noticed right off the hop? Oh, it's so much more professional. Um, ah. Not so much like the planning and stuff, but like when you actually care. They obviously I made my debut in Abu Dhabi as well, and the Abu Dhabi yes. fight islands. Um, but it was like set up really well and we ended up having to get over there for two weeks before the fight because of all the isolation things and right, right. it was just it was just an experience and it was something like um, obviously I'd seen before with like the GB setups but like the arena and the different things and yeah it was just it was just a cool experience um, obviously my prep wasn't great for that fight with different things but no one I don't think anyone's prep was great for that fight uh, with all the COVID lockdowns and stuff and I just made a lot of mistakes um, a lot of mistakes that cost me a very close decision that could have gone either way um but rightly went to Mike. And it's just one of those fights I look back at and just think if I had capitalized and really um, fought a different fighter than I did, even though I know it's not good to look back and think, oh, if I had. Right. If, if I'd one mistake, um, I think I would have won because it was very close. It was very, very close. Like I, I won, uh, I was ahead on all the stats um, apart from, uh, yeah, well, apart from the takedowns ones, I was ahead on all the stats. Mm-hmm. And um, he um, just sort of stole stole to um stole um the third round and the the first round and uh yeah it just uh, beat me 29 28 um it was just one of them things that i i really think i i could have won and i should have won and mike did well to win um and like if i had won it then i would have done the same as ian gary and obviously paddy pimba did and really um sure. really uh took the opportunity and grew with it uh they both obviously um often massive starts in ufc whereas i ended up going for a tough test then of Fighting Alan Patrick, battering um, old suitcases for the entire fight, then poking him in the eye, um, then making a mistake again, again the fight, and the fight got stopped, and then I got given no contest, and then I was meant to rematch him, and that all went pear shaped. And then um, I took that last fight with so many injuries and different things wrong. Um, uh, just to survive through that and come out with a, with a win was was a, a good victory for me. Yeah, no, obviously, but going back to your first fight, like you still got fight of the night, and obviously. You shouldn't look at it as, oh, I lost my first UFC. That was your first fight ever lost in mixed martial arts. Like, you know what I mean? So no one ever, like people say, I I know everyone wants to go undefeated, but no fighter will ever go undefeated. Like, you know what I mean? So I think, I think it's... I've lost, like I said, I've I've lost hundreds and hundreds of fights. Those things. Like, and and, and it's just another, another sort of, 
another piece to add to the, uh, the mantelpiece. Like, I wanted to be a legend um, like Joe Kazagi and some others who were undefeated all the way through. And, uh, yeah, I, I messed that up myself. How about, how about after the no contest? Were you a bit nervous? Were you like, oh, shit, I might get cut or anything? Or you were just like, no, nah, I, I can't think of that. I was nervous before the no contest about that. Like, I needed oh. to make a, a press before I fight. Like, that was right, the right. main reason that I... That, that, so I broke happened because I was really reserved in the first fight. I really took my time and tore him apart, um, focused on really cutting him up. And I could have finished in the first. Um, I should have finished in the first. And then um, the second round came around, and um, I like my coach was like, "Look, we want to get a finish. Stay precise. Take him apart. Don't rush the finish." And we talked about it afterwards, and I think I could have come out there and just let go on a little bit of my strike and really sort of put it on him. I think I would have finished him because he was broke. But I took him down, I started wearing away, and then as he sort of tried to get scrambled back up, I posted on his shoulder and just sort of, where I'd been using my head to post to hit him with elbows, I just sort of like covered his shoulder with a little bit of Vaseline, I just slipped, poked him in the eye, and then um, rather than just wait for the referee, um, and just gone stuck in and just started throwing shots, because the referee didn't see the eye poke, like obviously I did poke him in the eye, um, I'm not going to sit around and say I did poke him in the eye, I, I poked right. the guy in the eye, but, <laughs> but the referees did prerogative to deal with and like it wasn't uh, an eye poke that was bad like I've been poked in the eye in fights and different things like when Mike Davis fight he accidentally caught me in the eye a few times I think I probably caught him in the eye a few times like it's one of those mm. things but um, I made a mistake and uh, I that, 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 that was the mistake I made in that fight I backed up I said look I said I apologise because I was just so nervous like not so much because of nervous because I was nervous about performing and things I just I knew that I had to make a big impression, and that, like I knew that was my chance too. And then obviously I messed that up again. So uh, <laughs> the last fight that came around with all the change of opponents, different things, um, I was quite chilled going in there. I just sort of I was very I was injured um, badly um, with different things. So um, it was just good just to, to get in there and get a win. Um, Onoma was was tough, but uh, again I should have finished him in the first minute. I rocked him early, and then uh, just yeah just. My ass fell out. Um, my gas tank went to shit. Um, I had problems with breathing different things and flu. And I think at one point it was just holding on to him. <laughs> my coach yeah. was screaming, squeezed with an arm trying to lock in, and I just couldn't even squeeze. My arms were just completely blown. Shit. Um, so it was just one of those things. Like I got through when I won a unanimous decision, and uh, we looked to go again uh, whenever I'm healed up and ready to go back. There you go. How about the traveling aspect? Because you mostly fought in the UK. Like, does that bother you? Do you care? Like, you went from Abu Dhabi, like like you said, Fight Island. You fought twice in Vegas. Like, I guess you don't care about traveling? Um, I'd love to fight more places abroad. Like, I want to fight in Canada. Um, I want to fight in different states. Okay. Um, different big ones for me at the moment. Obviously, Canada, the same sort of um, aspect. Because... I'm not going to disrespect you and sort of categorize it the same as being a U.S. state, but um, because of the area, still North America, I mean, I, like that's my target area at the moment. I of want course. to get bigger in North America. Um, so for me, that is where I want to be fighting, different places. Um, I beat Brazil. I'm not really worried about fighting there. Um, I okay. prefer to focus on America. And then um, towards the end of my career, I'd love to fight in um, in, in Japan or some of the Asian countries. Um, I'd love to that. fight in China. Japan, not anything else, um, especially after seeing the old um, uh, the Pride shows and stuff. I've always wanted to fight right. Japan. Um, I spoke to a guy um, who fought, I can't even remember who it was, who fought on one of the, the, the Pride cards. And yeah. he said um, it was the craziest thing ever because there's no cheering when you walk out. They applaud. And he said, it's just people, it's just respectful yeah. Japanese families just standing and applauding as you walk out. And he said, it's surreal. He said, because like they're so happy to see you, like you're a proper celebrity. And um, mm-hmm. it's something I want to do for the end, um, hopefully before I take an early retirement. No, it is awesome because again, he- like both because uh, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan as well and even the pro wrestlers who come on say the same thing like the the atmosphere it's almost like you're going to the theater like someone they're there to see a show they're all dressed up like you know what I mean it's like old school like pure respect type style and yeah that would be so cool to fight in, fr- in front of an uh, audience like that because actually pro wrestled in, 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 in Japan okay. some of the small things on them um, what's the 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 British, um, the British version of the of the WWE. Is it still called the WWE? Yeah, it's still called the what? Is NXT UK? The UK, yeah. He's sort of trying to get stateside, I think. But he actually, he actually wrestled over in 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 Japan, and he he said it was just a crazy experience. 
So yeah, I'd love to do it eventually. Not wrestling, but obviously fighting in Japan. Well, I was gonna say since we're talking about pro wrestling, since you have that like persona and you, you know what I mean, you you have mic skills. Would you ever want to be a pro wrestler? I don't know. Um, probably not. To be honest, they um, they get a lot of injuries. Only people right. understand how intense the body is. Same as judo, like the impacts oh. because they throw in things and getting slammed and like the amount of impacts you see them do and like the high. Uh, what, what do they call it? The, um, the air stuff in there. What's it? They call it something like the high rope stuff and different things. Oh, high like, risk, um, top rope, high flyers. Yeah. High flyer stuff. Like it's, it's the impact of the party is ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, again, I think I've just preferred big YouTubers up for better money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a plan. Make it big. Um, promote yourself crazily good and then start beating YouTubers up for money. I, I don't know what else you're going to do. <laughs> Maybe beat some American players up, some basketball players, get them in there, call out, do you know what I mean? Call, call out some WWE and see if any of them want a box. Do you know what I mean? It, it's good money, good way to make money. Beat people up who can't fight. What, what more do you want? <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> How about the entrances, the aspect of difference coming from Cage Warriors? Because Cage Warriors, it's a friggin' party. You guys have so much freedom. To the UFC, like you said, it's more corporate. The UFC keeps shouting at me on, on my walks oh, all the time. Really? Three fights out to me three fights three times because if you watch my walkout it's always the same thing when the song comes on right. I turn around I raise the bag and I wait until the song breaks before okay. I go right so like it builds and builds and it breaks so like the UFC you have to go when they say go ah. so <laughs> Dan, I will ignore everyone like my coaches will speak to them I will not answer them or reply like sure. people will talk to me and I will look through you like you're not even there like in I'm the in the zone so yeah. I'm there waiting to go like relax like getting ready to go waiting for music I'm like this ready to go like proper feeling we're ready and then the song will start they're like three two one go and I'm there just waiting I'll turn around with the flag and they're like go 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 and like the last one the lady was like you need to go he needs to walk he needs to walk he needs to go now he needs to fucking walk he's not fucking walking for me he need to go they look so unprofessional by us in the song oh, bro no. and I just turn around just walking and like they're so angry about it but um, so I think what I'm going to do next time okay. next time is the walk until I'm on camera. Then I'm going to turn, stop, and go. And I'll probably get abused again. They'll probably be telling me to go, but at least then they'll understand a bit more rather than making them look bad. But um, it's showmanship. It's like the WWE. Do you know what I mean like again? They have their their, their entrance and their their walks and different things. And of obviously, course. it'd be like someone stopping halfway through, which they can do it because they're theatrical and obviously they're big fish at that point. Do you know what I mean? But it'd be like someone who's just signed, sort of trying to dictate. They can't. It then never really works like I. Only the, the the big stars get to dictate what you're going to do. And I'm a little fish at the minute. Well, but the thing is, too, even compared to like the old school UFC, everyone was a friggin' over the top character, and you knew everyone from top to bottom. Now it's sort yeah. of like not to say cookie cutter, but no one really knows everyone because it's so saturated, right? So you have to stand well, out. And how do you stand out? There's like 150 um, swing fighters in like. What Signed rostered fighters because I don't know whether I think there's some fighters on the roster that are never going to fight again. Like suitcases, I'm waiting for that, that bastard to get cut. Um, Al, Alan Patrick, yeah, I'm waiting for him to get cut. I'd love for him to get cut. Or I'd, I'd love to actually get him back in there and cut him to pieces. That'd be nice. Oh, wow, there you go. That could be your gimmick. You could end careers. Ah, uh, <laughs> Like that, I should end his career the first time. Like, but that was him sort of done. That was his last fight. And obviously, I think that was why he was happy with no contest because Mendy got a, agreed to another fight. And then he agreed to the other fight and he pulled out in two weeks' notice. And then it's just sort of like he's just trying to stay in and sort of make some money, um, which I don't blame him for. Like, he got, I got paid um, 10 and 10 for my first couple of fights. Um, that fight, he fought me. I'm sure he had 37 and 37. Obviously, you only get your show money for showing. So mm. I got 10. Uh, he got 37, and I beat him for, what, six and a half, seven and a half minutes? Jesus. No, one seven and a half, six and a half minutes. Wow, Jesus Christ. But it was 18 seconds, 18 seconds right. away from the midway point of the fight. Right, right. If I had gone up for 18 seconds, I would have won. They would have actually called the fight in my favor. 18 more seconds. And I had 10 wow. them in the first, and the second round was even more of a 10-8. Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How about bare knuckle? Would you ever go into that venture? No. No, I, I cut too too easy for that. Oh, um, so that's right. You mentioned it. I, I do. Um, I'd end up blind. Um, I like bare knuckles. I've got some friends who fight bare knuckle and different things. Mm-hmm. And I, I love fighting. 
Um, like I said, idle fight and everything. But um, no, not being uncle, no. They are paying crazy money. Like, obviously, Chad Mendes just got paid 500 k for his debut fight. I knew about that for a long time. Right, but, right. Um, yeah, no. Not for me. Hey, hey exactly. It's not for, how about celebrities? What's one celebrity you would call out? Uh, what would I get paid to fight? Do you mean? Um, obviously, someone who, who couldn't box. Um, like a basketball player or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, like Jake Paul was doing before he started fighting um, uh, some of the MMA guys. Uh, sure. He took a stunt at steroids as well. Um, I don't know, like a baseball player would be cool. Maybe a w- see. You gotta be careful because, like, when you call out like WWE fighters, um, different things. Like those guys have done enough that they could probably pick it up quite quick. So, um, unless, I don't know, like a US wrestler would be a cool one because they can't box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I definitely keen to go back into boxing one time. Uh, mainly just because it's um, it's an easy way to get paid, especially when you've built up. An image and different things, I, and I'd love to sort of do a Habib retire on top. Um, obviously, hopefully, at this time, there's a way to get out of the UFC contract and be able to fight um, in different shows um, without getting um, relegated to ten years of court cases by the UFC. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Now, the one thing, obviously, nowadays, like in, in your case, guys who are in the business are brought up through all aspects of mixed martial arts, not just one discipline, like in the old school days. People say you can't teach power and speed. That just comes naturally. If someone's late to the game, do you think they actually have a shot? Or no, now you have to start from uh, as a kid. Look at Gab. That's a good point. Like, it depends. Uh, It it, it all depends. John Jones. John Jones could have been late to the game and he would have been fine. Um, When I was coming through, I trained in an offshoot of ATT. Okay. Um, in Florida, sure. it was a smaller gym. It wasn't an ATG. It wasn't the ATT gym. I was seventeen, so it was nearly ten years ago. So um, I trained and, and, and under a coach there, and uh, he um, said he was there when John Jones made his MMA debut. I don't know whether it was his first actual debut or whether it was just a fight that, that he did, but he said he turned up and was coaching, and then uh, they needed a last minute replacement, so he just said yes, he'd take a fight. Apparently, he hadn't really done any training; just turned up. And he said the stuff he was doing in there was just insane. Like, he was just a natural, like, freak athlete who oh. would just do stuff. Um, just stuff that he'd seen that he could just replicate. And, like, um, like those guys, um, there's always going to be those freak. Like, this guy I trained with in um, Team Alpha Male, Chris Gonzalez. Like, he's a freak athlete. He's one of those. Like, um, I remember um, after his one of the, after his, his last, not his last fight, because he, he had, a like, a 30-second knockout in his last <laughs> fight. But the fight before that, where he <laughs> lost a... Uh, uh, Yoiti Gamma, I can never say his name, the Japanese Peloton fighter. Um, uh, he lost to him, and um, he sort of had a, had, had a bad couple of weeks where he was out partying and everything, just sort of just wanted to, to clear his mind. And I remember we mm. went we were running after he'd been on like a two week bend, and I was like deep in a camp, and like I've always had really good cardio. Mm-hmm. And we run, and the guy was literally on my tail all the way through it. And like at the end, oh, he sure. got a little bit dangerous on the steps, he was sprinting, <laughs> um, and it I didn't let him get ahead of me. We had this conversation afterwards because I had a fight coming up and he was literally trying to rugby tack me down the steps. But like that guy's a freak athlete. And there's just some people who have that athletic ability that can transfer across. That's Obviously true. there's technique and different things and like um, different things, but having freak power and freak knockout ability is a big thing. But um, I do disagree in being able to teach power. Obviously you, you can't teach, okay. um, you can't, you can't teach to a certain extent. Like obviously Wilder um, has got that knockout power from, miles away but you could definitely develop power um like i've seen it in boxes and different things um jamie cox was a big advocate for that where he said he never really hit as hard as he did when he was a youth he could always hit but he could never hit as hard and then um, he said after working with one of his coaches a lot he said um he said it just that was when he really started knocking people out and um it's so much technique and so much about body torture and different things. But then you see guys like Terence McKinley and different things like that who just hit people and knock and punch the sleep. I mean, there's always going to be those people. Like I grew up with boys like that. I grew up with a boy, um, good friend of mine coming through. A so good friend of mine now, Tom Prince. Um, never fight that. Never did anything like that. Um, okay. He was. He's now. I think he's five foot four. He's tiny, and um, I've seen him literally jump off two feet. Uh, knock out six foot five boys with one shot like you just oh always had just unbelievable power in a tiny little frame right um, and it, some, some people are born with it um, but I do believe you can develop power so uh, yeah we'll see now going back to pro wrestling quickly again if you were to have a finishing move what would be your finishing move in the cage 
I, I don't know. Um, obviously, I always liked People's Elbow because it was just sort of, it was one of those well-known ones where everyone sort of loved it because it was so dramatic. Like, the amount of times he did, I think it was like six steps over the top, wasn't it? Rope, the rope, the rope, the rope, and then he dropped, and it's just like, come on. Um, but then there was like, um, obviously, there was uh, Chokeslam, uh, and then there was the, like, the obviously, the Undertaker and different things where he had that big, grizzly personality. Yeah, but you can't really use those in the cage. I'm saying, which one would you transfer that you would oh, use in the I, cage? What you meant in wrestling? No, no. Um, in the cage. Um, oh, God, now you put me on a spot. Um, <laughs> six, nine. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, suplex. You just go with a normal, like everyday suplex. Do you know what I mean? Let's just go go over that because, um, like, uh, I've seen people get. I've knocked people out um, with suplexes before. Not nice. in my fight career, but um, yeah. <laughs> in uh, suplex. This, this is just saying other activities. I've knocked people out with suplexes. So yeah, sure. Um, like good urinagi or suplexes is something I'll knock a lot of people out by landing on their head or just by getting the wind knocked out of them. Oh shit! Uh, you don't. You aim for the top of the shoulders, but it is oh. a key point in whip neck, basically. Like, you're, you're just smashing the head into the mat. Also, you never put them on directly on the head, because that's illegal in um, MMA as it is in June and everything. So you always that's aim for the top shoulder. Um, mate, like, the impact through it. Like, um, I've, I've done that on concrete um, before. Like, I've superlexed people on the neck on concrete. And, that's um, crazy. It, Come and sleep. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it's a good thing you are a fighter man shit <laughs> how about once it's all over and done with i'm not i'm not gonna ask you when that is because that's your own priority what's no, life no, after I, mma I, for you i set a loose target at 35 look obviously if we go past that, i'm not everything but i about 35 is somewhere i want to be sort of trying to edge out early um i've given a long time to this sport um and i'm only 26 so um, uh, about nine years, I think, will be me. Um, like I said, I want to build my social media up. Um, I want to get some passive incomes going and different things. Mm-hmm. And I like, um, love him or hate him. Um, I think Jake Paul is such a perfect example of how you should be looking to right. do. Um, like the guy, a lot of people don't understand. Like that guy is so much, like he has fingers in so many different businesses and different investments and like he owns an energy company and different things. It's like mm-hmm. social media is great. His Facebook, his Instagram, all these different things, his YouTube page. You can make money out of, um, in the UK, obviously soccer, um, football is right. massive. And uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is a good example. Like he's one of the highest earners in football. Mm-hmm. Obviously, probably not so much now. Um, I'm not a big soccer advocate, football advocate. My brothers are all crazy about it, but everyone knows Ronaldo, of Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, he earns more from social media um, and different things than he, he does from from football. Like uh, mm-hmm. you just got to be switched on. Like um, people don't understand. Like the reason McGregor made the money he did um, through these businesses is all to do with his social media presence. Like all to do with it. Like it's to do with his. It, People are like, oh yeah, but this is who he is. It's like, well, yeah, it's how he markets himself. It's all about how you market yourself. Like modern day is social media marketing, different things. Um, obviously, like if you start a t-shirt, if I started selling hoodies now with twenty six thousand um, follow um, subscribe or whatever it is followers on Instagram, one percent border. Do you know what I mean that's what two hundred sixty? I probably got the maths wrong, but two thousand six hundred, right, something like that. No, no, no two hundred sixty. Two sixty. Yeah, you were right the first time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, CDE, look, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, if I add 2.6 million, do you know I mean? It's, it's, it's another ball thing. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things. Like, it's, but the end thing, like, the bigger Im- image, the easier it is. Like, when you see, like, The Rock with his whiskey company, Ryan Reynolds with his gym company, McGregor with his whiskey company, mm-hmm. like, all these different things, the reason, um, like, there's a reason how the head come about do you know what I mean there's a reason Hayna White did it because he saw it because it was highly profitable and it's easy to do for someone who's tied in with um, obviously the administration team did with the UFC like obviously I don't think a lot of people knew but when McGregor fought Habib the, one of the main selling points was that um, uh, his whiskey company um, would be part of the advertisement for the UFC so for that fight it was one of the main sponsors yeah. and that was tied into his bike purse and then they wondered why they sold six months worth of whiskey stock in one weekend right it's brilliant it's true like you always have to have a different like the one I look f- towards now is I just found this out is Shaq like this man you know how many businesses this guy owns he's on TV oh, <sighs> retired 
did when he played. Right? It's it's crazy, and that's how it should be, I think. But then, my old man's always always big for giving back as much as you give. Um, I, I'm not a big advocate for a lot of registered charities because obviously, um, like I've seen how they make money. I've been involved with charities. Yeah, you got to be careful. They, yeah, yeah. Get, there's a lot of like cream getting taken off off the top. But um, Shaq will go into stores um, and like when he buys his groceries, he'll pay for someone else's groceries in that store. Um, like there's That's stories awesome. on stores. He's gone to jewelers, um, just talk to people, yep. uh, go by their end there and paid for different things for them. Like, there's a guy who was buying, who was shaving his money up to buy an engagement ring, so Shaq paid for it. That's um, awesome. And things like that, it's just cool things to do. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'd love to do some, some things like that one day, like walk in into a store somewhere, talk to someone, and as long as they're not being a dick, do you know what I mean? Pay for something from them or sure. buy them something or buy something they've got to pay for or pay it back, do you know what I mean? It's always nice thing to do. Exactly, and it's better going th- than going through a corporation. At least you're seeing it directly going, and it's not going in someone else's pocket, right? Yeah, stuff like that That's is cool. is a lot better. Okay, before we get to the worst story of the week, and we wrap this up, I found out that you're a sneakerhead. Is this correct? Right, so this is from my Instagram post. So, yes. Um, my girlfriend's a sneakerhead. Oh, my girlfriend's sneakerhead. okay. So, um, trying to introduce me to the world. One of my friends is um, really, oh, he's been big on fashion for years. Okay, okay. Um, like you and different things the pack the see some of like the, the different dress sense like doesn't go to any he's not he's not like someone who studied fashion who goes to the fashion shows but he just likes a lot of modern fashion like sure. um, you know designer clothes so um um actually the company um is uh i i know the boys who run the company um and they sort of invite me down and was like look come down with some media stuff and we got to go to pay a trainers for you so i went down and they sorted me out and i'm trying to get more involved and i'm just trying to dress but I, I always look scruffy. I'm one of those. I always look scruffy. Like, sure. um, but, uh, I bought after my USC, um, after I got signed to USC, I bought a Blanciaga hoodie. Not Blanciaga. It, it, see, I've embarrassed myself already. Um, I bought a hoodie. Uh, I can't even think what brand hoodie it was, but it was a designer one. Sure. Um, it was worth like 12 or 13,000 um, 13, pounds, which is, um, hundred, hundred, not thousand. Okay. Pounds, I was going to say shit. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> hundred, so um, like probably about 50, let's say fifteen hundred dollars. Okay, and uh, in in an outlet in London, um, for like seven hundred. So it was something out. It's still a lot of money for me. Do you know what I mean? But it was like sure. my advice myself for winning two titles and signing. I was like, I'm going to get myself a nice hoodie because I always wear hoodies, and I wore it too many times now. It's got like a dragon logo on the front as well. I really like and um, um, like. Someone said to me the other day, like, you need to start wearing it when you travel. Because I wear it a lot when I'm traveling because it's like comfy fit. It's like super high quality. It looks nice. And oh, I get so it. I wear it when I'm tra- always traveling in a nice hoodie. Yep. Um, but I wore it to my house. So I'm starting to, I'm starting to wear it out. So um, I need to change it up. But uh, I'm going to get paid. So um, when I go to fight, get another bonus and then we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm the same way. Always hoodies. I'm, I'm the exact same way. I have my everyday hoodies where I wear around the house. And then I have my <laughs> like so-called going out hoodies. <laughs> No, no, I, just, I do the same thing. So um, I actually am an ambassador for Tidy Butt, which is a mental health charity. And um, their hoodie, I split on the front because I didn't like the hood. And now it is like the perfect house hoodie. Oh. And I wear it in like yeah, yeah. pair of shorts. No matter what temperature it is, I'm always wearing pair of shorts and hoodie. But um, yeah, like it's, it's one of those things. Um, but sneakers, um, I've obviously, I've, I've got the, the pair you saw on my, um, the Jones I got on. On my Instagram. I've been dying to um, get like, a pair of those. As soon as I saw them, I'm thinking I'm like for almost 10 years, because obviously I'm here in Canada and we don't have the same yeah. uh, availability as the States. Like, you know what I mean? So it's they, hard to get. I've got some boys who can sort you out now. They, um, oh, okay. they, uh, trying to set a big distribution center up now. And I know that's yeah, but I'm, I don't want to pay like friggin' 500 bucks though. Like, you know what I mean? I, I want like discount under the table type shit. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. But, okay, okay. Um, uh, yeah, I've got a pair of those. Um, my girlfriend bought me a pair of Balenciagas. Um, I've got a pair of, um, uh, uh, I can't even say, Gazebis. Okay. Um, I've got a pair of like really expensive suit shoes. Um, before my debut, uh, one of my sponsors took me up to London and actually got me a custom-made suit, which I wore nice. on my, um, my, my second fight in no contest because I was like, look, I've had this two fights and I haven't had a win yet, so I'm wearing it after the fight. And then, um, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I do like my fashion. I do like to dress well. And it's one of those things like I've always admired is being able to dress well. Um, so 
work currently actually doing earn a bit more money and get some passive income streams going. <laughs> yeah, I know that's always nice, right? <laughs> All right, ready for the worst story of the week, my friend. Yes, I'm waiting for it. I'm excited, actually. I am excited. Okay, well, let's hope it doesn't uh, let you down then. Okay, so this week's story comes from Florida, where a man almost nearly lost his life by getting hit by a train. So what what this whole story is about, it was a 38-year-old man. He jumped out of his car just before a train hit. The car apparently went flying into a nearby house. Luckily, none of the residents were hurt. Nothing happened. They were just woken up like fucking shitting themselves. But, so that, that's how, what actually is the base of the story. So, how did this guy get onto the train track? Like, usually, like, there's gates that come down. Like, I've seen cars literally break down on train tracks. I understand that. Yeah. But apparently, this guy was going head first into the train. So, he must have been riding those train tracks for some odd reason. So, that's the weird part there. And then, <laughs> so it makes it even weirder. So, he got stuck on the train tracks. Unless you're trying to turn, you'll see the shutters go down a lot of times and there's people get stuck in the middle. That's true. Maybe he was trying to drive it and turn it away or try and turn the car and then he ended up getting caught on the rails facing into the, in, into the train. And, and anything could have happened. Anything could have happened. It's one of those. See, but um, this is Florida. So it, it gets weirder, yeah. my friend. It gets weirder. <laughs> okay, so let, let, like I said, he got stuck. He abandoned the car. The car went flying, right? Apparently, this dude stole this car. So it was a stolen car. So karma, instant karma right away, which is awesome. So when he got pulled over and got caught by the cops, which is even another weirder story because he gave himself up. He gave himself up to the cops and he said that he stole this car because he lost his car and he was looking for it. Yeah, that's that's not a great one. It's not really great. And that's not it. So when he abandoned the car... He stole a, a forklift that was nearby out of sight and proceeded to damage nearby homes as well. <laughs> so this guy was out to lunch. He must have been on some kind of serious crack or something. Yeah, something like that. Or just a bit loose. Yeah, crazy. But I um, Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much me. Americans just... Yeah, it's just different level of, of crazy sometimes. Like, people just get so carried away. And I, I, what I feel sorry for is always the people on the side that had nothing to do with it. Like, the poor people had a car go through their fucking house. Like, you know what I mean? Can you imagine? America, like, is there, like, a criminal relief fund or does that come off their house insurance? Like, do they have house insurance? Well, that all depends. See, uh, well, up here in Canada, most people have house insurance, so your insurance, I think, would cover it because that's, like, a freak accident. There's probably a mad junkie clause somewhere in that insurance because they hate paying out. It's like there's there's actually a lot of cases. There's like natural disaster clauses in different yes. places where it happened to natural me. Natural disaster, they won't they won't pay out. No, it happened to so me. Hurricanes don't count. Like snow, heavy snow. A lot of time, and something breaks. They're like, nah, we're not paying out. <laughs> nah, no, no, my no, roof got all messed up a few years ago. It was because of during yeah. a windstorm. So we and we had so called yeah, yeah, warranty on, on our roof. We call them, they're like, oh no, it's an act of God, it's not covered. I'm like, you fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to get out of it. Better off lying sometimes and coming up with a better excuse. Um, obviously, I'm fam- my family's builders, um, so they, there's always a way to make something stick. <laughs> there's always a way. That is true, but yeah, I feel sorry for the people. Actually, weird enough, I've actually never told this story. Something like this similar happened to me, but I was on the other end where... It was, I was, li- yep. but it was told to me. I was literally a little baby. I was just born, maybe less, a couple months, let's say. And uh, I fell asleep in my dad's arms in the living room. And then a car came right through the fucking living room, literally feet by us. And we could have gotten killed right there. Can you imagine? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Shit like guys, it, it is crazy. Like one of those things that I never want to live by a road just because of stuff like that. Um, oh. My house actually... Is, there's a driveway down the road, and um, right. we've had people come around the too fast. Um, I know the guy who did last was was drunk. Come around, who was drunk, uh, come around too fast. And actually, there's um, there's a utility pole at the bottom, like a sure. electric pole. Okay. And yeah, big wooden wooden post, like quite deep. And he just literally just took a pole out completely with the car, and the pole come down and all oh sorts. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I don't think I, I, I can live next to a main road like that. It's not something I really look for. Um, you, you don't really want that waking up in the morning um, with someone's car stuck halfway through the house, do you know what I mean? Or even someone so trying you... to break in. That's the other fucking thing, right? Well, yeah, like we've had house burglaries here, but um, I mean, the, it's 
little and far between. You don't really see too many. Like um, I think we got bigger once when I was a kid, and then once in twenty uh, twenty six years is is isn't too bad. But um, yeah, the America's bad, and obviously you guys all got what's the the, the gun laws in Canada? It's it's as loose as the the US, no? No, no, no. We're not allowed to carry guns. We're only allowed to have it for like hunting purposes. And you got to go ah, through yeah. a special licensing but, thing, but uh, the, we do have a big gun problem. We do have a lot of illegal yeah. guns on the streets, though, unfortunately. Um, obviously, the UK, um, there's firearms. Um, if you get caught with a firearm, I think they, they, they try and do it for heavy senses. I'm sure. Yeah, like, same thing here. Fire. So um, yeah, because you, you you're under the Queen as well now. Uh, obviously, you're a colony still. We're, no, we used to uh, be. Now we're we're independent now, obviously. But originally, yeah, yeah, yeah we were. We still well, we still have the. Know, we still have the queen on our money, man. <laughs> hey, long live Queen Liz, do you know what I mean? <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, we have holidays because of Queen Victoria, so I'll take it. <laughs> there we go, there we go, Queen Lizzie. Um, yeah, no, um, yeah, like, obviously, I, I spend a lot of time in the US. I love the US, and right. I hope we get a green um, just so I can get some guns. But the US is um, it's just a, a, different, a whole different world. Like, um, you get in, in the problems in traffic, and you, you just, I'm always worried that some guy's just going to pull a gun out and stop, start firing at it. Whereas you see that, I'm scared they, of that too. They can pull a bat or a gun out. Uh, they, here, they can pull a bat or a knife out, and I'm never really worried about things like that. Whereas a gun, like, someone starts trying to stab you, you can always just shut the, shut the doors, big windows up. And, uh, That's true. Do you mean if they start? In or smashing the windows, it, it's easy. Like it's easier to deal with than someone just standing in front of me and just shooting me through a windshield. Do well, you know what I mean? where are you going to go? The first time, the, the first time my wife and I we ended up going to the states. We've been to New York, Vegas, yeah. LA. Now we've been all over the place. But the first time we started going, that was the first thing they said. They're like, "If you get road rage, don't tell anyone off because someone could be carrying a gun and then you're done for it." But my roommate, I stay with. Um, I yeah, he actually had a neighbor pull a gun on him. Um, a licensed firearm as well. Yeah, she literally um, pulled a firearm because his dog um, shit in the, in the communal bushes. So, oh, uh, my God. Yeah. And she came out with a pistol and was pointing a pistol at him. And he was just like, like he's from Chicago. So he's like, look, he's like, <laughs> you're not going to do anything. He's like, I'm just going to call the police. They'll right. come sorted. At gunpoint, and I'm literally napping in, in the middle of the day in, in oh my the room God. in the airport. Um, I woke up. And he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't tell you. He's like, some lady pulled a gun at me. And I was like, dude, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Well, Mason, thanks for coming aboard. Really appreciate it, my friend. Plug your shit, your socials, anything you want to promote. Floor is all yours, my friend. Right, so Instagram's the big one. I've been pushing a lot. Uh, Mason Jones 95. Uh, my Twitter, Mason Jones 1995. Um, and then I'm on Facebook as well. But Facebook is one of those areas where I don't really care about at the moment. I'm also on YouTube trying to pump out some series, trying to do some video footage and vlogging, but um, I need to get back onto it. Obviously, with the injuries and stuff, I've been doing as much. And then with everything, I'm you know, having my film crew with me as much. So we're going to start building it back up. I'm determined to, even though I keep saying it and not doing it. But yeah, Mason the Dragon Jones on YouTube. Please like and subscribe and try and boost me up. We're like 2K followers, 2.2. So I'm hoping to get up from a 10K by the end of this year. So I'm busier ahead. But yeah, um, my socials, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm all over there. You can find me on Instagram. Um, my website is masonjonesmma.com, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Somewhere like that. But yeah, my um, my website's on, on my Instagram as well. So just look go. on there. But yeah, um, we've got some merch coming out this week. So um, I do appreciate it. I'm not going to plug my sponsors. Um, you can find them on my Instagram. They're all good guys. Um, they're all fans supporting me but you'll see on my instagram but yeah thanks for having me on i've really enjoyed myself um next time we can do it obviously uh hopefully i'll be in the us it won't be as late because it's 11 o'clock for me now and it's past my bedtime so i'm gonna go and curl up in bed my girlfriend will be sleeping now so she'll be she'll be punching me when i try and get to bed but um thank you so much for having me on i've really enjoyed it no i really appreciate it and quickly for myself you can find me on instagram and twitter under finger styles you can follow the podcast on twitter the podcast app email us your thoughts suggestions comments anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com please rewind to the top of the show support those fine sponsors because if it helps them almost definitely helps me out and most importantly please rate subscribe review on all major platforms quickly because i know it's your bedtime before you go your time in vegas how was it my friend being there for the first time both times I think I did a boxing camp in Vegas. Oh, okay. Um, I fought against, um, obviously, that was my second fight out there as well. Uh, yeah, but it's different yeah, being there under the UFC, though. Like, you know what I mean? Yes, well, second time I've been there for the UFC. I do like it. Um, I still, 
need to sort of a bit more money to probably enjoy it, I think. And um, yeah, I did like the city. It's just a different lifestyle. Um, but it is growing on me more times we go. Um, it's just so hard to find just a chill out bar so you can sit there. My coach is going to quite drink. And we, like it's the casinos and stuff, but I don't have enough money to be throwing money in casinos away. Um, I never gamble with money I don't want to burn. So um, yeah, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not really that mentality to go and win. So uh, yeah, not at the moment, but we'll get there. Um, before I go, because um, yeah, I, I do have a lot. Um, I'm a big advocate for mental health. Um, I'm an ambassador for Tidy But The Mental Health Charity. So if you're listening, um, like I said, I plug my Instagram and stuff. You can find me, just Google me. Um, uh, find me. If you are struggling and you're in a bad place, please feel free to reach out. Um, I'm not a specialist. I'm not trained. I have no idea what I'm doing um, every day in my life. But um, if, if I can help someone or if I can talk you through or I can just help you deal with the day-to-day, then drop me a message, please get in touch. Um, I do try to apply to a lot of people. If I don't get back to you, please don't take it as me being a knob. Um, I am trying my best. It's just I'm handling my social media accounts and um, I am trying to live my life. But I, I will try my best to get back to you. And I, and I do love speaking to people. I reply to, I apply to a lot of people constantly. And we have good conversations. And like I said, if I can make your day better, then please feel free to reach out. But um, no matter what, um, please, please, if you are struggling, there's charities you can reach out to in the UK. Um, Tidy but being one of them. Obviously, I'm sure there's some in Canada, different things. If you, For the in, in the UK, there's Mind and different places. And um, like I said, if, if I can help, please reach out. And if you want to talk. I'm always there to listen. So um, please do. And uh, yeah, stay strong. That's awesome. On that note, he's Mason. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.